there's a concept in sort of technology businesses or most businesses uh, called an, uh, a net promoter score. Okay, and essentially there's a little formula uh, that you work out, but now that net promoter score is essentially you're asking your customers, would they recommend your company uh, to another company? This is, this is the golden question that's at the middle of this net promoter score concept. So what organizations, leading organizations do now is they're taking that concept from the commercial world, where it's customer and driving growth of the customer into the workforce. And you're asking your employees a simple question to say, would you recommend this company as a good place to work? Okay, because if you can get a vast majority of your people saying yes to that question, your recruitment costs go down, your attrition of your staff, voluntary staff turner goes down, okay, your employee engagement goes up, your sort of continuous improvement ideas go up, your productivity most likely goes up. There's a whole load of sort of long-term value by increasing and focusing on what is called the ENPS, the Employee Net Promoter Score. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR L&D podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviors that drive organizational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces diversify our thinking and achieve significant HR success. Hello and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment Group, a specialist HR recruitment firm. And today I'm delighted to welcome an exciting guest to the show because he's going to help you all to navigate your digital transformation journeys that little bit easier. Before we get to the interview, though, I want to take this opportunity to firstly say thank you to all of you for listening to this HLND podcast. I know I've got some really loyal subscribers and I would love it if I can ask you a small favour, which is just to share this podcast with all of your HR L&D colleagues to make sure we can reach the broadest audience as possible so that we can continue to bring you the best guests that are really influencing the HR and L&D profession. Right, on to today's guest. Now, this morning, I'm joined by Barry Harper. He is CEO and founder of Envolve Group, which is a digital platform that leading organizations use to maximize the full potential of their remote and often distributed workforces. Of course, this is something we're seeing a lot more of now as a result of the pandemic. A lot more employees, more than we've ever seen as a recruitment firm, are now working from remote locations spread across the globe. Now, Barry is passionate. He's a digital transformation export who is all about supporting clients to help them accelerate their specific digital transformation journeys. He does this by focusing on driving positive business outcomes. That could be reducing costs, it could be reducing workloads, perhaps it's improving productivity or the overall employee experience. But Barry's the expert, not me. So I'm going to welcome Barry to the show. How are you feeling today? Doing good, Nick. Doing good. Glad to be here. Me too. I'm delighted to have you. I want to jump straight into that digital transformation piece if we can, because I often hear you talk about digital transformation of L&D in general terms, specifically around what sort of what practicalities are and the kind of positive business outcomes that I mentioned some of just then that can be delivered. But can you tell us a little bit more about what digital transformation in L&D context, if you like, what that kind of digital transformation really means to you? Yeah, I think the um, an easy way to do that is kind of introduce an involve as to say, look, this is to give you a couple of examples of what we're doing with clients. Do you know what I mean? Like sort of tell you um, about the stories and like sort of rather than looking at the theory of all of this, it's like, well, what are the practical 
sides of it, okay? So essentially what we've done, as I say, I'm the founder and CEO of, of Envolve, and we work predominantly, as you said, Nick, with uh, distributed type workforces, organizations that would have uh, a distributed workforce, but also a very large number of our clients would have what we call deskless workers. And uh, like the, the recent statistics and uh, reports would show that like a very high percentage, 80, 90% of workers in the UK and Ireland and further feed are actually deskless. Um, they have to be present to do their job. They have to be there. They don't sit at a PC. Um, they don't have access to a laptop to do their job. So it's this type of an audience that sometimes we refer to and our clients refer to as the forgotten workforce when it comes to all of these latest and greatest uh, technology stuff. So what we do is we've built a digital platform, uh, digital learning and HR platform specifically for that deskless and distributed type of a workforce. So essentially um, what we do is we focus on the practicalities of it. Um, how do you sort of show value by going on a digital transformation journey? And this phrase, I think, is sometimes overused, digital transformation, because it means different things to different people. But sure. for example, our clients, it's really just about its cost saving. It's uh, making the workflows easier. It's uh, getting rid of paper where there is paper. Quite a few of our clients would be Excel based and uh, using paper a lot in their learning and development type of processes. So what we do is we work with them getting rid of that paper, getting rid of Excel, uh, moving away from the whole sort of day-to-day -day mundane uh, processes of trying to manage L&D from a compliance perspective, from an employee development perspective, and trying to digitize the whole thing. One of our examples of a client in the sort of logistics industry, and what they had said was they had one room that they've got now six people working in on a desk that used to be the filing room, right? That room used to have full of filing cabinets. And then the workflow that was required to maintain that room um, in accuracy was horrendous. Um, they had uh, a workforce of about a thousand staff, um, procedures that were being up revised and modified regularly by engineers in the technical departments. Um, and then the learning function had to try to keep on top of uh, all of all of those records because their auditors could knock on the door tomorrow morning and look for information and then all of a sudden they're running through filing cabinets they don't know how accurate the information actually uh, is so what we do is we help them do all of that so it's the practical sides of things and what we try to refocus then is like well yeah we'll make it easier we uh, we sort of get rid of all of those mundane tasks we uh, we get rid of the paperwork we, we can very clearly show that uh, we're reducing down costs by doing all of that and then given the company's back time that's one of the big things they find through digital transformation they have more time to do stuff which is more value driving uh, for the business as opposed to basically the the day-to-day -day churn of keeping a business compliant or having the right skills to do the jobs that they're assigned to do essentially Sure, that makes sense. I would argue recruitment is the same thing. Right? We, I would say that we try and give time back to our clients by taking on the bit that we're expert in, which is finding the staff. And I guess it's a similar kind of process. From your perspective, though, with that example that you've just given, thousand employees, lots of filing uh, cabinets and things like that, trying to transform everything to make it more efficient. Where do you start? What's the, what's the, what's the process from engagement through to outcome? And what does that journey look like? Do you know what it, it's like? Sort of, we've uh, we've got contracts like sort of Coca Cola is a contract uh, company of ours, and they've actually had learning management systems. They had good HR, as you would expect a global company like Coca Cola to actually have. 
So they started from a totally different starting point than, uh, than some other organizations that, uh, for example, like Moy Park may, uh, as a client of ours in the, in the food processing, food manufacturing, chicken processing industry, they had a totally different starting point. So if I take one company um, like Coca-Cola starting with an existing LMS, but what they identified was that, hey, even though we've got this technology in place, it's not always given the right result to the right audience because they've still found that they were using Excel in some parts of their uh, workflow. Um, and this was a company who had an LMS, uh, like a learning management system. And then you look at the other end of the spectrum where companies, uh, it's their first journey or their first steps into digitally transforming and using technology to, to drive some of these outcomes. Uh, so, and they would be very heavily using the likes of Excel and paperwork and stuff like this, where it's very manual. Uh, business intelligence is almost non-existent. Um, like it's just a real big Excel spreadsheet. There's one of our clients that was, um, I can't remember the name now, it was about five or six years ago when they shared their Excel spreadsheet with us. There was 1.8 million cells on the Excel spreadsheet. Wow. Right. This was like, and it was like all your greens and your reds and your yellows and your greys, all the different colors and everything spread across this spreadsheet. And I remember looking at it going, oh my God, how can you manage that? And they had three people that were responsible for managing the one Excel document. And this was way before Microsoft Teams and shared workspaces and everything. So there was email documents floating back and forth. The version controls were difficult to manage that they weren't working off one source of truth. Um, so hey, what we did then was we said, okay, this is an opportunity ripe for immediate value because within the space of about six weeks, we transferred all that information out of that Excel document onto our platform. All of the information then was easily accessible online on a tablet device. Uh, employees and managers were able to walk up to a, uh, an employee and be able to uh, see their training requirements there. And then they were able to capture electronic signatures on the touchscreen of the tablet device. Everything was synced back in. So in about six weeks, they were able to move away from a spreadsheet of 1.8 million sales uh, in it um, to a totally digital. So it's uh, everyone starts from a different position. Um, so it really depends on uh, on the client, I guess, and where they're at in their, yeah. in their own journey. And so it, it, it depends, but most of them are coming for the, I would say if I had to pick any one particular point, if an organization has got Excel anywhere in the mix, that's normally a starting point. Okay, well, it's, it's interesting. You referenced Excel a couple of times there, and um, there's definitely going to be HR professionals, L&D leaders listening to this, watching this, that are probably reliant on Excel, maybe more than they should be, or certainly could be. I mean, you've, you've talked about some of the advantages of where Involve can improve how that data is is managed from an Excel standpoint. But what are the other advantages? I'm thinking things like maybe security um, or other elements that perhaps someone who is quite happy with the way they've got set up using an Excel workflow at the moment. Go, Actually, why do I need to change it? It's working. It's worked for the last three years. I don't see why that should be a problem. How, what would you say to that kind of yeah. comment? Do you know, it's a very good comment, actually, Nick, because it's one of the things that when we uh, engage with uh, with a customer, typically we engage with the L&D function, the HR function, right? And when we go through the processes, they can immediately see the value in this, right? They can immediately see the value in digitally transforming stuff. A lot of it comes down to the workflow, the, the work burden. Um, because they can say, do you know what, the amount of time it takes me to maintain this spreadsheet um, and to maintain all of these paper records, this solution, whether it's Envolve or any other type of solution, like, this solution allows me now to digitally transform that. And I know that I could reduce the workload substantially, right? But in all cases, uh, bar very few exceptions, what we have to do then is we work with the HR and L&D teams to enable them to sell it internally. 
because they have to take it to the finance team or the CEO or the C-level to say, look, I need budget to buy this solution, okay? So there's a value proposition. Um, so that value question, it, it, does, it comes up very, very frequently in our conversations, typically after the HR and L&D team have bought into the requirement for it, but then they want to sell it internally to actually get the budget approved. So what we've done, and we've focused a lot on this over the last lot of years was to say, well, how do we as a company, how do we sort of give our customers the value that they've envisaged, but we give it to them in month one? This is our ethos as a company. It's, it's month one value. We focus on a tool and a way where we could actually say to our clients, you know what? Yes, you're going to have to pay X, right? But before you agree to pay X, we will do a return on investment with you and we'll do a cost benefit analysis. And we have a model that we work out based on having done doing this for 15 years, um, based on what other customers have told us and what the value that they see, um, be it reduction in paperwork. And some of these things are, are black and white value because you can get rid of paperwork, you can get rid of filing oh. cabinets, uh, things. Other things aren't just as black and white, like sort of, well, what value do you put on um, the fact that your uh, operation is now more compliance uh, and more uh, more compliant and is less risk in terms of uh, non-conformances or, or things like this. So some of these things are objective, some of them are subjective. So what we do is we say, look, this is what the solution may cost. Um, this is the value proposition and the return on investment, which is numbers. It always comes down to numbers. So we can say on average, um, most of our clients would see a return on investment of six to seven times what they actually pay for the solution. But then what we do is we take those numbers and we put them into our platform. So every single month, starting in month one, uh, all of our customers get what we call the value proposition and digital transformation report, where our customer success team engage with the client and say, look, this is what you paid. This is the value that we promised you. And this is how we're delivering it to you, right? And the things that are on that report are things like, well, okay, if you generated an, an electronic signature, for example, with Envolve using the tablet device, well, that is a value to you because there would be a figure involved in capturing that by another means, be it uh, on a sheet of paper. So you'd have a print cost, you'd have time cost, you'd have filing cost, you'd have Excel time cost. So we work out and agree that with the customer. Every single time someone captures an electronic signature, we've got a corresponding number to that. Okay, so what we do then, and that's just one of them. When someone does an e-learning course, for example, you say, well, what would, what if you didn't do that e-learning course that way? Um, what was the alternative? The alternative was maybe a consultant, maybe bringing someone into a classroom, maybe taking someone off to do a, a course in a college or something. So again, every client gets that engagement right at the very start. So we worked down through a list, there's about 12 criteria, um, running an e-learning course, capturing an e-signature. Um, our platform actually, uh, just to expand a little bit, um, it's actually uh, learning and development is a core module of it, but there's three yep. modules in total. There is the uh, learning development is module one, uh, performance and recognition is a second module where we have continuous performance management tools um, to move away from sort of like the once a year appraisal type process and there's employee recognition and stuff built in there as well. And then there's a third module which is learning uh, is communication and engagement where a part of the involved solution is a branded app for all of our customers so the employees can download company branded apps so that you can publish out news stories and you can send push notifications you can capture improvement ideas for continuous improvement and stuff like this so what we do is through the list of our monthly report what we do is we uh, we go back to the clients and say well how many news stories for example did you publish right and we can actually track well okay that news story impacted if i give you an example that thousand company staff and we can say well the that news story was read by 650 people if you wanted to get those 650 people to read that news story and be impacted by the content of it, 
non-digitally, how would you have done it? And then based on that, and these the, these things all sort of are at the very start of our engagement so that we get the sure. client and we understand to the client. The client understands then, they say, look, well, yes, it's going to cost us money, but here's how we're going to extract the value out of this. This is how we're going to get the five to six or seven times ROI on this investment. And then every single month they get that report. And what that does then, that gives the HR and L&D teams right at the outset the the toolkit and the information, the black and white information, so that they can go to the finance department, go to the CFO, go to the C-level and say, look, yes, I, I want to approve this budget for this, but I'm going to track um, every single month that we're returning value on that. Okay, And this is where sort of like our clients now rely on that report every single month. They're almost waiting for it on the first of the month so that they can go into their board meetings or their senior HR, senior team meetings and say, yes, this is the value now that these tools are the tool like involve is, is, is driving. So like the, the question of value is to say the, the value like that is tangible. It's black and white. But then there's always the sort of one which is the objective one. It's kind of, well, what, as I say, what, what value do you put on improving your employee experience? Um, so that employees now feel more connected to your company because you've given them an app and now they can see news stories, they can give each other recognition, stuff like this. What value do you put on being more, uh, as I say, uh, or less risk, um, sort of, uh, there could be issues in relation to risk. What value do you put on other aspects which aren't always easy to track, but we have that conversation up front sure. with, uh, with the client before. You think of things like mental health and work-life balance and these other sort of non-tangibles non that are, are still very relevant. If there's less risk, then you can improve your mental health if that was something that was making you anxious and so on. Just, yeah. just to bring it back slightly, though, because at the moment, um, as a, an HR recruitment expert, if you like, in this field, I'm hearing a lot of my clients, in fact, probably more than I've ever heard before post-pandemic, talk about this digital transformation piece and you said you no know, digital transformation means different things to different people so it is quite a buzzword at the minute everyone seems to be undertaking some form of transformation what does the phrase then mean to you if you were to define what digital transformation meant to, to yourself Barry or to involve how would you summarize that phrase I think the sort of uh, the, the easiest way for what we do anyway right from the start is, is to use technology to do something that you would have otherwise done manually. OK, um, and like sort of that's the starting point, right, to say, and I give you the good example there of Excel and paperwork is like that's the low hanging fruit. It's like sort of if you're if you're using paperwork uh, to do something today, what are you doing today that uses paper? Right. If it uses if, it, if you're using paper, is there some way of digitizing that? Um, a good example is uh, one of our clients is using our um, communication and engagement tool for continuous improvement. OK, and what they were doing was they had a process uh, like a suggestion box where their employees were able to fill out a sheet of paper, they went to a suggestion box, put it in the suggestion box, and uh, it was an improvement idea, and someone picked it up, and then someone was trying to manage that through a process in Excel. They were saying, well, okay, it was created in this day by Nick. It's now the corrective action, or the action has been assigned to Barry for completion, um, and then someone is trying to track Barry to make sure that Barry does that, and then all of a sudden the whole thing has taken six months, and the person who created that opportunity in the first place um, gets disillusioned, say, well, that's the last opportunity I'm creating. So I never heard anything at all about it. So what we did with that client was he says, well, we started with the sheet of paper and says, well, okay, can we digitize that? But what can we do then after that? So what we did was we says, well, okay, let's, we'll create, well, in the Involve platform, we've got a tool now. This is this client worked with us three or four years ago in the development of this module. So we says, well, employees now on their phone or on a terminal in the factory can actually use the terminal. So we've got rid of the sheet of paper. So that was step one. But what we did then after this is, well, no, no, what about the rest of the workflow? 
what, what happens on the rest of it? So what we were able to do then is we digitized the entire workflow thereafter, right? To say, well, okay, once it's created, an email went off to the continuous improvement manager. They had seven days to assign that out to someone to complete and update this uh, opportunity. Some of it might've been just a health and safety risk. Some of it might've been changing a process slightly or whatever to improve, like maybe or reduce waste or whatever. Um, so then the continuous improvement manager assigned it to someone else. And that person had 21 days to actually implement it, right? But if they didn't do it after 21 days, what would normally have happened was it just fell to the wayside because no one was on the phone sending an email to say, look, hey, you need to get that action done. You're over your 21 days. So we automated that. We actually said, well, after 21 days, that person will get an automatic email to remind them. And the continuous improvement manager is copied in on the email. So you're escalating it a little bit. So it's not just about that. We always, we always start typically at a, at a sheet of paper. If there's a sheet of paper used anywhere at all, like let's digitize that. But as soon as we start that conversation with the client, what happens then is you actually get a better understanding of the entire workflow after that. And that's where true digital transformation, that's where the real value starts coming in because now you've you've automated uh, mundane tasks, you've automated uh, repetitive tasks, you've actually, you can be sure that these tasks are actually uh, happening when they should be happening. And what we've done and involved over the last few years is focus as well on machine learning and artificial intelligence so that we can actually follow trends and we can see things that are happening. It's almost like nudges. It's the change of employee behavior that you're looking for. Is that a phrase I heard many years ago was that technology solutions don't drive positive business outcomes. It's a change of employee behavior that does. So when you think of it like that, then you start thinking, well, you know what? Um, like it's not the technology that's going to give me my return on the investment. It's the change of my employees, what they do on a day-to-day -day basis that's going to give me the value. So we focus very heavily on that, is to say, well, we're trying to ensure that our technology can track and make sure that employee behavior is changed as a result of the digital transformation. So let's let's bring that back a little bit. Now, if I'm an HR leader listening to this uh, podcast at the moment, I'm thinking, okay, you know what? A few, few bells are going off now. There's a couple of paper things that we're doing at the minute that I'm sure we could probably automate or improve or, or go through some kind of transformation piece with to, to, to improve the efficiency of our business. There was, as you mentioned, there's a multitude of platforms and solutions and technology providers out there offering different uh, solutions to, to different potential problems. If I'm an HR leader and I'm starting now with that blank piece of paper, so to speak, and I'm getting my, my HR uh, professionals together and my team together, I'm going, right, we, we know we want to embark on a, our digital transformation journey. Where should they start with that planning process? And what are the key metrics that you would recommend an HR leader focused on? You mentioned you've got sort of 12 points that you work through. But what would you recommend they did if they were starting from scratch? They haven't even gone out to a supplier yet, but they really want to add value to their digital transformation equation, so to speak. What would be the starting point? What should they be thinking about? And what metrics should they be considering getting a return on investment on? Well, do you know what we do, Nick, is like sort of just to, just to finalize that point about the uh, the technology solutions don't drive the positive business outcomes. Um, it's the employee behavior thing that does, right? Um, that I would I would encourage any HR or L and D. Um, professional that's listening to this today is to is to consider that point that's the first thing i would uh, i would suggest is that a technology solution isn't going to give you exactly what you want right um yeah like as you say well where do you start when we do this we actually don't start almost at the start we start at the end and say well what does good look like in six months time or 12 months time it's a phrase that we use all the time with our when and we're doing an initial engagement with a new client is to say, well, okay, we get an understanding of what they're doing now. And this is, as we mentioned earlier on in the, in the podcast, was everyone 
comes from a different starting point. Some have got uh, existing systems. Some people have got no systems. Some people have got existing systems that are kind of half working. Some have got existing systems that aren't working at all. Um, and there's a, there's a phrase in the industry that I've seen quite often is like a trough of disillusionment, that there's a lot of enthusiasm for the new stuff that's coming out and everyone gets excited about it. But then people start realizing it's almost like we're all familiar with the COVID curve. It's almost like the same curve and a lot of technology solutions come down the far side of the curve because they don't deliver what the clients thought they were going to get at the very start. So to answer your question in relation to what does a HR professional or an L&D professional uh, sort of, what, where, where do they start? What we do with our clients is we say, look, we understand if you're in a particular industry, we, our solutions are used across a broad range of industries. So it's very rare that we would have a new client or new engagement now that we don't have some story to tell them of somebody else that's quite similar to them. Okay, both from an industry perspective, uh, from a starting point uh, perspective, because I say we've been at this quite a quite a number of years. So what we say is, well, what does good look like to you? Right. And when we engage with clients, you say, well, what does good look like? Well, yeah, we want to get rid of paper. We'd like to be able to click a button and get this report. I would like to have uh, monthly management reports going to all my managers so that they see their own individual training matrix. And they come up with three or four different things. Right. And we say, well, OK, that's all good. But you haven't mentioned these five or six different things that that company's doing, this company's doing, this company's doing. So what we end up doing is we say, look, well, this is what potentially good could potentially look like for your organization and once they buy into that then we start working back right and then we say well okay well, how are we going to get you to there right where you've no paperwork management information at the click of a button automated reports going out um, employees getting bought into their own buying into their own learning and their own development uh, for your company and taking ownership for things so these are all the things that could happen so we start working back and say well how do we move you from here to here and we design out a work we, we part of our engagement process with our customer success team is we, we actually draw up a roadmap for every single customer and we say look this is what we're going to this is where you're going to be after month one month two month three month four and we draw up a little plan it's not complicated and um, we just draw up a little plan to say look well these are the things that we need to do first of all like for example as you say what's the first step well if you've got existing data on excel or in filing cabinets you have to try to get that into a system where are you at right now before you start to improve it. So there's a bit of an exercise at the start of getting that information from your existing legacy systems into a new system. Once it's in there, then it's really, once it's in there, it's really just maintaining it. It's just, it's biting off the piece of the of technology when you're ready to bite them off and when you're ready to implement them. We've got some clients, as I mentioned to you, the Involve platform and what we call Involve WXP. It's quite feature rich. There's uh, three sort of distinct modules in there, as I say, the learning, development, communication, engagement, and performance and recognition. Within, within each of those, there are kind of subsets as well. Um, so we actually say, well, okay, what journey do you want to go on? We've got some clients that say, do you know what? We just want to do learning. That's where we want to start our digital transformation journey. Um, but like in time, I would love it if all my employees had a branded app that we could send push notifications and do surveys and, and, and listen to the employee voice and this sort of stuff. I would love to get to a stage where all of our employees are uh, continuously looking for opportunities to improve our business to move things forward because that example that I gave you of that client that worked with us, they were collecting something like, I think it was about 90 suggestions a year over a workforce of about 400 people. And when they implemented our solution, it went to 490 in one year. 
right? Um, so they saw about a 400% increase in the actual opportunity. So every journey is different. What I would say to any HR or L&D person today is look at what you've got currently, visualize what good could look like in six months or 12 months time. And then once you've, once you've got that, then go to the market and start looking at technology solutions that will help you achieve uh, what good looks like in your, in your mind. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. And it's a great example. So, as you've just put it, absolutely right. You know, as you look, what does good look like is a great question to be asking and understanding what could be improved at the same time. I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate with you, Barry, just based on an answer you gave there. And it, it links to the next question I wanted to ask anyway. So, Obviously, you talked about then a four or five fold increase in the number of suggestions that were coming through. Potentially, there might be an LND or an HR director going, oh, my God, I don't know how we would handle that kind of increase in sudden responses, particularly now we've got a 21 day turnaround payment you know, process. We've got to make sure we respond to these things. I'm just throwing it out there as an example. What are the potential risks then that perhaps HR directors or LND directors don't necessarily always think about or consider or implications they need to be aware of when they are thinking about embarking on a digital transformation journey. One of those could be actually increased workloads because of increased engagement, which obviously there's a there's a real benefit there, but there's there's maybe a an, an impact to that benefit that may have been overlooked. Are there other risks or potential issues that, that a leader should be considering when that when they are taking on a, a new digital transformation project? It's a very good point you make there in relation to the sort of that example about the 21 days, you know, like the suggestions, just using that as an example, Nick, right? First of all, the 21 days is an example that I give. Any comp sure. comp company can program that to be 60 yeah. days just to get that one, like sort of they can set that up themselves. One of my clients, actually, a uh, very large uh, beef producer, um, they're been using Envol for the L&D for about four years, okay? We're now talking to them about the communication and engagement. And if, if we're looking at a communication engagement, it's a bit of a hot topic at the moment now with people working from home and uh, the remote working, how long that will stay, but it's, the, the future of work has changed. Um, will everyone end up going back into operations or not? We're not quite sure yet. Like sort of some people will continue to just work from home, but the risks, uh, as I say, like, I think you've mentioned it yourself, is that when you sit and look at what good looked like, and you say, geez, as a HR leader or an L&D leader or a, even uh, like sort of a senior leader listening to your podcast today and say, that all sounds great. And this is what we get a lot, actually. This all sounds great, but we're just not ready for that, right? <laughs> And it's like sort of when they look at it, they say, well, okay, the HR, what we find is when we get engaged with the HR folks is that they're at the forefront of this. They are the people that really buy into this. It's personal to them. It means means a lot to them. Um, they want to sort of drive real good value into the businesses that they work into, right? But then the business might not be ready, right? So in that example there, I give you with the beef processor, they didn't have a continuous improvement manager in place, right? So that they say as well, when these... Uh, opportunities. If we get a huge increase in suggestions uh, in relation to what we're, if we implement something like this, it's exactly the risk you mentioned there. The problem is where if they get the suggestions in and then they don't get implemented, like that's actually a counter 
productive uh, thing. Oh. This, is, this is part of the trough of disillusionment type of idea that I mentioned earlier on was that um, if you don't create those, if you don't implement those ideas, and this is, if, if I come back to the example I gave there about digitizing the suggestion box, was that one of our clients actually, uh, what drove them towards using that tool was one of their early paid workforces. And it's difficult to engage early paid workforces at the time, let's be honest about it. Um, it's quite maybe a bit easier to engage people who are more salaried, um, but people who clock in or clock out and maybe sort of um, in certain industries, it's, 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 it's a bit more difficult to engage all of those folks. So what they did was this gentleman had created an opportunity and he put it into the suggestion box. And three months later, he landed up at the MD's door and he said, I'm never creating another opportunity for this company again because I never heard back from that. And it was a great idea and no one even told me well done or anything, right? And like the managing director then went, well, that is actually, that's a huge risk because now their suggestion process, which was supposed to improve the business, yeah. supposed to engage the employee, had actually the complete opposite effect, right? So what we did was when we developed the solution was, well, okay, let's address that as part of the digital transformation project. Let's address that. So how could we address that? Um, so we said, well, in the mobile phone app or in the platform, when an employee now creates an opportunity, they can log in and they can see who updated it, when they updated it, uh, what was the actions taken out of it, when is it going to be enclosed, what's the value to the business as a result of that, so that the employee then can actually see it going through all the workflows as a result of the technology solution. But what that company did um, to really transform that uh, continuous improvement process was that they rewarded people. They recognized people more than just a pat on the back. What they did was they says every quarter, um, they looked at all the opportunities and they picked the top three, right? And then as part of their quarterly assembly where they brought everybody together in a, like a communication session, um, they actually brought the three people up and said, these are the three best ideas. And they got, do you know what, Nick? They, they didn't spend an awful lot of money on it. They got a hoodie, they got a hold all, they got a half a day off on the company. They got a free lunch out at the local hotel or a free dinner, something that was very low cost, but had a huge, huge impact because now the rest of the workforce were going, geez, I like that. That's recognition. That's the reward isn't, isn't yeah, it's, empowering. It's, empowering. it's the recognition. And then everyone started going, geez, I want to be up there next quarter. And that's what I believe was the big driver that drove it from 90 to 490 in the space of a year. It was the it was the FOMO, is the fear of missing out, started started filtering into the into the workforce. And then employees really started to sort of engage with the company. And a, a funny example on that was that um, this particular company, we were doing a major update on, on the platform and we had it ticket down, obviously, just for a weekend as we're making this this update and the HR manager was uh, was on to us and he says, make sure that thing's back up on Monday morning because that's the only tool we have in this company that's truly engaging our workforce, right? And this was the HR guy saying this, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a bit of a, it was a bit of a coming home message for us as well, is that we built at that stage what we felt was a continuous improvement type of a tool for, for this workforce. But the real value internally was the HR person going, do you know what? This has given my employees a voice. My employees will really miss this if it was taken offline. And uh, he saw it now as the centerpiece of his engagement strategy going forward. Right? So let's so, briefly touch upon that then. If I'm a, we've got HR leaders together, we're in a room, we're talking about what good looks like, we're talking about the areas that could be improved, we're, we're looking at the potential risks, we're creating our roadmap, right? So that, and we've got in our four walls, we're developing that. 
We've talked a lot there about employee engagement, and we know that employee engagement is, is clearly critical for all of this succeeding, right? We've got to really work on improving our employee engagement. It's a buzzword out there as well at the moment. It's number one on most HR directors' agendas to improve the employee experience. So what advice would you give to HR leaders that are embarking on digital transformation again? They've created their roadmap, but they want to get the employee engagement bit right. At what point do you start engaging employees into that, that roadmap itself? Is it post-implementation? Is it during implementation? Do you run surveys? What, what process would you recommend that an HR director or leader follow to make sure that that, that employee engagement piece stays sort of number one priority? The easiest answer to that there is early as possible. Okay. And, I, and that doesn't mean that you include 400 odd people into a process, like you can't bring 400 people into a process and designing it, um, like sort of management have to manage and leaders have to lead, you know, but what we find in the most successful implementations or the most successful projects is, is a couple of things. Number one, we actually call it a mass employee engagement. We don't call it total employee engagement because let's be frank, we don't get all the people all the time. Right. Sure. We've all got our own lives. Uh, there's things going on in our personal lives that some days we come to work and there's other things that are more important than being at work that day. And like we've all been there. OK, so um, it's you don't get or our ethos is that you don't get all the people all the time uh, and you don't get them all on the same uh, sort of totally engaged. Um, but if you get mass employee engagement, most of the people, most of the time. Right. And that's sort of our ethos and say, look, let's set our parameters here. Once you've acknowledged that, then you say, well, how do we get most of the people most of the time? And this actually comes back then to say, well, well, simple question, well, what's in it for me? And, and I'll be honest with you, we've had clients that did a really good job in that. And we've other clients that have a little bit to do in that. OK. And the ones that have, do a really good job in that, they get a really high engagement score. Right. And they get a really high process of engagement and they can see it as tangible. Um, in relation to sort of the experience that you talked about. Like there's a buzz in relation to the employees. They feel that they're being listened to and they feel that they're being heard. So that's the first thing. The second thing then is uh, how soon do you bring them into the entire process? We, we've got a like a like a five-stage roadmap to, as a template that we sort of work to. The first stage is developing the roadmap. Okay. And that typically with most of our clients, that happens between the involved customer success teams and the leaders of HR and LD. We say, well, what does good look like? And we design it out. Okay. Um, the next stage then is where we sort of call the champion phase. Okay. This is where we bring together what we call workforce excellence. We tie a lot of our uh, solutions and our sort of engagements around this concept of workforce excellence. It's, it's trying to get your workforce to a position of excellence. Okay. Um, and I say excellence is different then from various uh, various companies. So phase two of our engagement, we bring in the some one or two managers, we bring in a few employees um, and we say, look, this is the tool that we're going to be using. This is why we're using it. This is what good looks like. This is the journey we want to go on. And we educate them to say, this is, this is where we want to end up. This is how we're going to use the tools and this is how we're going to end up there. But most importantly, this is why we need to end up there. This is the business value and the benefit of that. We recommend our clients bring one or two employees, champions per se, if you want to call them that, into that conversation because then they become the advocates. Then when you go to the next phase, which is rolling it out to your workforce, and then communication is vital. And some of our clients have five, 6,000 staff, right? And they just bring people into a room 
for uh, this is post COVID, obviously, obviously, but they'd bring them into a room if they're desktop workers working in a manufacturing environment, or whatever, and they would educate them either the Zoom call nowadays, things like this. But they'd say, look, this is the reason why we're doing it. This is where you fit into the mix. This is the tools that we're going to be using. They train them up, and we get everyone then through that process. Every individual matters through that process. That might take two months. That could take four months. Could take six oh. weeks. It, it all depends on the size of the organization. And then what you do then is once once they've bought into it, it's all about the maintenance of it. It's making sure that, for example, if you're pushing out communication, that it's it's what's in it for me. Do I really want it? Is this interesting to me? If you're trying to make, make it interesting for the people, it's not, don't just be publishing news stories about what the CEO thought or the new contract that you signed. Yes, they're important, but also publish news stories, for example, that Nick has just run the marathon and he's raised uh, £2,000 for the local children's hospital, things like this. Those are the things then that start creating connections. So it's all about the success of it will be when you do get to a stage that your employees are saying, do you know what? Yeah, there's something in this for me. And if you can address that, and that's part of the conversation of what goods looks like. Um, because what we do then is obviously we've been doing this for quite a few uh, years and number of clients. So we can share best practices of what works. And like, as I say, let's be honest, some things you try, they don't work. Some things no. work really well. But hey, it's just try, try, try at these uh, things because it's it's all about uh, that question, what's in it for me? And we, we, we just tie that around the whole area of recognition, reward, connections, um, and Nick, they mentioned that the, I don't know if you're familiar, Nick, with the like a net, the net promoter score. Have you come across that employee net promoter score concept? No, no, tell me more. There's a concept in uh, in sort of technology businesses or most businesses uh, called an, uh, a net promoter score. Okay, and essentially there's a little formula uh, that you work out. But now that net promoter score is essentially you're asking your customers would they recommend your company uh, to another company. This is, this is the golden question that's at the middle of this net promoter score concept. So what organizations, leading organizations doing now is they're taking that concept from the commercial world, where it's customer and driving growth of the customer into the workforce. And you're asking your employees a simple question, say, would you recommend this company as a good place to work? Okay, because if you can get a vast majority of your people saying yes to that question, your recruitment costs go down, your attrition of your staff, voluntary staff turner goes down, okay? Your employee engagement goes up, your sort of continuous improvement ideas go up, your productivity most likely goes up. There's a whole load of sort of long-term value by increasing and focusing on what is called the E, NPS, the Employee Net Promoter Score. There's a little formula essentially just to explain the formula, the way that it works is you ask your employees, would you recommend this uh, our company as a good place to work? And you give them a scale of one to 10. And so what you do is there's, uh, you count the number of people that said one to six. So in the, say for example, you had 20% uh, of your people said one to six. They're your detractors. They're the people that would say definitely no. Okay, so there's a problem with those people. There's the seven and eight are the people that are sitting on the fence that are kind of indecisive. You discount them, you forget about them in terms of the calculation. And then you count the number of people that said nine or 10, right? So let's say my simple example here, you say 20% of people said one to six, 20% of people said seven or eight, okay? And the 60% of people said nine or 10. What you do is you take the, the lower number away from the higher number. So you take the 20, the whatever said, one to six, away from the nine or 10, and that's your employee net promoter score. So what you try to do then over a period of weeks and months and potentially years is you try to move people out of the one to six into the seven or eight, into the eight, nine or 10. And if you track that, 
right? And this is what our tool does, and we work with our clients in doing this. If you track that over a number of quarters or over a number of months, right? Typically over quarters, because you don't want to be going back to your workforce every single month with a survey and saying, hey, would you recommend our company as a good place to work? You want to do it maybe quarterly, and you would embed that question into an overall pulse survey, for example, of uh, maybe looking at the canteen facilities or looking at something else that you may want to improve in the business, but you'd continually ask this question, and it's a great barometer about measuring employee engagement. If you can track your employee net promoter score and see it going upwards, then you're doing something right. That's a great example. It kind of follows on that marginal gains theory as well of continual improvement. And it's, uh, I think it's a fantastic way to, uh, to round up today's content. I mean, we're talking about a subject that I know is, is red hot for many of the people listening to this at the minute, which is digital transformation. You've given us a, a great uh, process there we can follow with an end result that we can aim towards as well, which is fantastic. So Barry Hopper, thank you ever so much for joining me today on the HRLND podcast. If there are people listening to this that want to find out more about Involve Group and what you do, where, where can we direct them? Uh, just the website, um, the, uh, if you jump on www.envolvegroup.com, uh, N-V-O-L-V-E group.com, and uh, you can you can see all this information there and what we do. There's success stories there. There's good resources that you can find out how we do all of this with our existing clients. It gives an overview of the overall platform. And then if you want uh, a deeper conversation with us, just uh, pick up the phone, contact details are there, ring through. Uh, ask for me if they want to and see or founder, but I'm here. Uh, talk to a lot of clients every day. So if they want to talk to me or just talk to one of the team there. Um, and there's a demo request if someone wanted to have a look around the platform as well that people can uh, they can jump on the website and all of the information is there. Fantastic. And of course, I will make sure that uh, website is very accessible in the show notes of this episode. So if you want to go straight to that website and you haven't got time to even type it into Google, just go straight to the episode notes. You can find the link to the envolvegroup.com website straight away. I'll also include a link to Barry Harper's LinkedIn profile as well. If you want to connect with Barry directly, you can do so. And of course, if you are an HR LD or LD professional listening to this podcast and you have a vacancy within HR LD, HRIS, or any other HR related Field and you need some specialist HR recruitment support, please do get in touch with myself. I would love to show you what a good HR recruitment experience can feel like. You can get me at nick at jjrecruitment.com or give me or my team a call on 01727 800 377. Just leaves me say a huge thank you again, Barry Harper, for joining me today from Involve Group. Fascinating conversation. I look forward to bringing you all the next episode of the HR LD podcast real soon. Thanks again, Barry. Cheers, Nick. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.